0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Monterey, California with my good friend Chris Christensen of the Amateur Traveler Podcast. Chris grew up in Monterey County and he has been traveling to Monterey for 60 years. He says that there's no bad time to visit. You can enjoy its scenic views and incredible seafood all year long. In this episode, Chris and I talk about visiting the Monterey Bay Aquarium, seeing the amazing views from Lover's Point, and exploring the historic Carmel Mission. You'll hear about these three amazing experiences and so much more. If you know someone interested in visiting California, I'd love it if you shared this episode with them. The show notes and our one-page guide to Chris's tips are available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Monterey. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Acorns is one of my favorite apps because it helps me invest spare change automatically. Every time I make a purchase with a registered debit or credit card, the transaction is rounded up to the next dollar. Then Acorn invests these roundups in my personalized portfolio. Plus when you shop at participating retailers or service providers, you can earn additional found money to invest in your future. Examples of current and previous partners include DoorDash, Liberty Mutual, Macy's, and FedEx. I've been using Acorns for years and love how much money I've saved up from all these small investments. Sign up using my referral link at wetravelthere.com forward slash acorns to start saving today. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Right on. So I've known you for years through TBEX and Travel Massive, and uh, today we're going to be talking about Monterey, California. It's a city that I visited several years ago with my family and Although we, we kind of scraped the surface a little bit, we never really got to kind of deep dive into it and see some of the amazing things we're going to be able to talk about today.
1: Cool. Yeah, no, I grew up uh, near Monterey. I grew up in Salinas, so I've been going to Monterey since I was uh, three, uh, which is uh, more than a couple years ago. Let's
0: just say that. <laughs> Absolutely. So like you said, you've been going to, to Monterey for practically all your life. If you had to describe the people or the city in just a couple words, how would you do that?
1: The people, I don't know if I have any specific things about the people, but the city is just a beautiful city. I think of when I read the book Two Years Before the Mast, which is about uh, somebody who sails around the California coast in the 1830s. And he describes a lot of the cities we know today. He doesn't have really nice things to say except for Monterey. And he talks about this beautiful city. It was beautiful in 1830. It's still beautiful today, the old Spanish capital of California.
0: That's fantastic. So, for people not familiar with Monterey, like where is it along the California coast?
1: If you have a California map, and it comes in two sections, like the old atlas maps were, the the seam for the map is usually right around San Jose and California. Monterey's just a little further south than that. So, you're the central coast of California, south of San Francisco, by say two hours or something like that. And then well north of uh, Santa Barbara and Los Angeles.
0: Okay. Okay. So based on where it's at, uh, you know, in California, would we fly directly into Monterey or is there another like bigger airport nearby that we could fly into? You can fly into Monterey and before deregulation, you know, way back in the day,
1: you would fly into Monterey. Now it's a little more expensive and most people who are going there will fly into San Francisco or into San Jose which are closer. And you're just going to get better rates typically. But you know, if you see a good if you see a good flight into Monterey, it's certainly a fine airport. It's just that it costs a little more.
0: Sure. And sometimes you know when you're redeeming your miles and points, sometimes you can find a way to finagle a cheaper flight into one of those airports like that as well.
1: And hey, if you want to fly with celebrities, fly out of Monterey right after the AT&T golf tournament, usually in February.
0: Ah, nice. That's a good tip. Well, speaking of that, uh, like, what are some of the other things that happen throughout the year that somebody maybe wants to plan their trip around?
1: There's a couple different well-known things that happen there. The AT&T is is certainly one, which is the old Bing Crosby golf tournament uh, that has been going on for probably my whole life. And then there's the Monterey Jazz Festival also, as well as there's a Scottish festival that I have friends who go to every year, but I have not been to. But that's a fairly well-known thing that happens in in Monterey as well.
0: Right. uh, It's like the city's filled with kilts.
1: Yes, apparently so.
0: <laughs> Bring your clabber and, uh, you know. Right on. And then also for racing fans, uh, the Laguna Seca is nearby, oh, right? Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. How could, I, how could I forget Laguna Seca? Yeah. And if you're not a racing fan, that's not a good weekend to go. Uh, basically, when Laguna Seca has a race, because it's going to be harder to get in, in and out of the city. But yeah, Laguna Seca is just on Highway 68 in between Monterey and Salinas, which is a little further inland. I'll confess, I've never been to a Laguna Seca race.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's one of those things that when it's in your backyard like that, it's like, oh, I'll get around to it eventually. And then next thing you know, it's been a decade or or more, and you just never have got around to it. So we're right on. Well, um, like also when people are planning their trip, like what's the weather like year round? I know, you know, there's like the old joke about the coldest winter I ever spent was the summer in San Francisco. (laughs) And so I know that you also have a little bit weird weird weather as well, right? Monterey does not ever have bad weather.
1: Now, it does have wet weather in the winter, as all of Central California does, or wet-er weather, depending on whether we're in you know a four-year drought or, or it's a rainy year. It depends on how much rain you'll get. So you'll be more likely to run into rain in... You know, a little bit in November, a little bit in in December, and then certainly in January, February, and and March, if we have rain, that's when you're going to have it. And then basically, this time of year, we're recording this in the summer, from, say, May to October in this part of California, it doesn't rain. just doesn't rain at all. Meaning that my hometown had a tenth of an inch of rain once July 1st, and it broke all cumulative monthly totals for July.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I lived in Southern California, I mean, there was like no rain happening for many, many years and uh, we had to get rid of all the, all the grass and put turf in. It does catch
1: fire, but it doesn't, it doesn't rain. So, (laughs) you know, as you go into later into August and September, you, you know, can run into brush fires and things like that. We will have them in Monterey. They will tend to be South of Monterey in the Ventana wilderness, which is, Inland from Highway 1, the well-known Highway 1 coastal highway there, is a lot of brush and hidden hills and such. And so if you've got brush fires in the area, that's probably where they are. And it's a little south of the city. In terms of weather, June tends to have a little bit of June gloom. I know when my wife first visited the area... She got up one morning in Salinas and said, oh, it looks like it's rain today. And it's like, no, (laughs) it's June, which she thought was a strange answer. But if there's a low level, uh, basically fog that rolls in from the ocean, very similar if you've been into San Francisco, you know, rolls in at three o'clock, burns off by 10 a.m. the next morning. And that means that in the winter, it never gets that cold. and the summer, it never gets that hot. And so in California, in this region of California, typically you can have days that on the coast are 70 degrees, and then you go inland maybe 20 miles, and it's 80 degrees. And then you go inland to the Central Valley, and it's 100 degrees. And so typically very cool, dry days in the summer, best time to come, best Month to come in terms of weather would probably be September. That was always when we had our best weather. Right after we'd gone back to school, you'd get these really beautiful, warm days. And, of course, we couldn't be out there enjoying it when we were kids.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like that torture when you're a child. You're sitting in there in class and you're looking out the window and it's like just a perfect, beautiful day. And you're like, why am I in here reading these books when I should be outside playing? Right, right.
1: <laughs> and of course whether you know how much weather matters depends a lot on your itinerary if you're going to spend time for instance you know inside the Monterey Bay Aquarium it doesn't really matter what the weather's like but there's a lot of good outdoor activities you can do in the area in which case it's nice to have a
0: sunny day or at least not a rainy day foggy days are fine Sure, sure. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So first off, say we were able to score a flight right there into Monterey. Uh, from there, do we rent a car? Do we use public, public transportation? Or do we just use a ride share to get around?
1: I would not try and get around with uh, Monterey with public transportation. I haven't done it with ride shares. I'm used to to driving in the area. It's It's California. We sort of assume that cars are included. And there are some drives that you probably want to do. I mean, certainly the best well known drive is 17 Mile Drive. I don't know that I would try and do that in an Uber.
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> and you can't do it in a bus.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. And actually, probably your Uber driver would probably reroute around it. So that way he wouldn't take so long and be able to drop you <laughs> off as quick as possible, anyways, right? Exactly. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get a car. Uh, and then, like, what's the parking situation like? I know that, like, when we went. Up there, we drove up from Southern California when we stayed and we were able to find parking around the the aquarium pretty easy and and those type of things. But when we're doing some of the other activities around, like how's the parking situation there?
1: The Monterey Peninsula is more than one city. Uh, The three major cities are Monterey, Pacific Grove, which is right next to it, and then Carmel, which is the other side of the peninsula. So there's Monterey Bay, kind of facing the north and west, and then Carmel Bay, which faces the south and west. And Carmel in the summertime, uh, there was a great scene in an old Chevy Chase movie where he's kidnapped, and they go to rob a bank in Carmel, and they can't find a place to park to rob this bank. And those of us who lived (laughs) in the area just laughed, because that is something you run into in Carmel. There's always parking. It's just how far do you have to walk away from the main drag, which is Ocean Avenue, to find parking. Do you have to walk, you know, three, four, five blocks away to find parking? So there's always parking. You just have to look for a while in Carmel. In terms of paid parking over by the aquarium, there is a paid parking garage. There's paid parking garages downtown. For the hotels, it depends where you stay. If you stay, you know, Cannery Row or if you stay in the, the hotels right by the wharf, you're probably going to pay for parking. If you stay in Hotel Row, which is often Fremont Ave and things like that, there's gonna be, you know, free parking. It's it's more suburbia once you get out to that area, which is not that far away. It's just not in the heart
0: of the city. Sure. I guess and also I guess it depends on what type of experience you want when you're when you're picking a t- hotel. So speaking of that, like what are some of your suggestions for hotels?
1: Well, so for budget, there's you know, the budget hotels are mostly on Fremont Avenue, Del Monte, Moonrest Avenue, sort of a little bit away from downtown, just you know, possibly walking distance. But it's when it's nice to have a car. There's some nice hotels like we, you know, we used to stay every year at the Marriott for our anniversary for a while, which is right downtown by the wharf. The DoubleTree is down there as well, and there's some lovely hotels on Cannery Road. So if you're looking for a high-end luxury experience, you're somewhere between Fisherman's Wharf, which is in downtown Monterey. And the aquarium, which is kind of on the border between Monterey and Pacific Grove, that's where you're going to find your l- high-end luxury hotels. But the other thing to think about when you're in Monterey is an inn, uh, because there's a great set of inns there. The couple on the, right on the coast, like the uh, Seven Gables Inn and the Green Gables Inn, are right on the coast there in the very picturesque part of the the coast between the wharf and Lover's Point. And then there's a number of ones that are a little cheaper that are inland. The God'sby House is lovely. We usually stay at the Centrella, uh, which is a gorgeous inn. But this area back in the 1800s, especially Pacific Grove, so this is where you're going to find all the inns, this was a retreat center. This was a religious retreat center. So Monterey at that point was much more of a commercial wharf and fishermen. And Carmel is always more of a... Right now, it's more of a shopping, art gallery, restaurant kind of vibe. And so they used to say it was Carmel by the Sea, which is the official name of it. It was Pacific Grove by God and then Monterey by the Smell. Uh, because that's where they did the the whaling and the fishing and things like that, and, and there's still some truth to that today. Because that's that's where you're going to find the wharf, that's where you're going to do your your whale watching trips, your deep sea fishing trips. If you want to rent, uh, you know, a kayak and go out or go out on a sailboat, that's going to be from Monterey.
0: Okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, just for people listening, uh, here's a couple of suggestions. There's the Intercontinental uh, over Monterey. There's the Embassy Suites.
1: Yeah, the MSC Suites is a little further down towards Sand City, further up the coast. Uh, we've stayed there. Inexpensive, decent, you know, nice restaurant. There's also a Holiday Inn Express there. So you're you're getting into a little more budget at that point and not into some of the luxury hotel territory.
0: Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think I guess it depends upon what your budget is and what you're looking to do. Maybe you're just there with the family and not gonna be spending time at the hotel, or you're there for like a uh, like a little romantic weekend with your wife.
1: Yeah, actually, and a nice one, if you want to go just a little uh, down budget from, say, the Intercontinental or the Marriott or one of those, the Monterey Tides is actually over by the Embassy Suites, but it's actually right on the coast. It's right on the beach, and it's on a stretch of, oh, I don't know, at least five miles of walkable beach. Uh, You can walk from there all the way up to Marina if you have the time and inclination. You know, go see the people who are doing the... Uh, hang gliding, for instance, right off the beach in, in Marina, but a pretty area for just having uh, a leisurely stroll on the beach. You're not going to swim in the water here, just so you know, even though it's California. <laughs> they sell a lot of sweatshirts first for instance in monterey it's if you see somebody wearing a monterey sweatshirt it's not just that they thought that it was cool to promote monterey but it's probably that they didn't bring a coat and they came to the central coast of california and needed to buy something and they usually sell them for, for pretty cheap on the wharf so you know hey what a deal <laughs> that
0: makes a lot of sense uh actually like when we went there you know, a few years ago we actually stayed at uh, the hofsa's house over in carmel by the sea i've I think- stayed
1: in the hofsa's house yeah there are a number of hotels in carmel I've stayed in the Hofstra's house, which is um, older, a little bit more motel style. It's kind of fun staying in Carmel. I've, I've really only done it once. We usually stay in Monterey or Pacific Grove. But especially in the summertime, it's harder to get into Carmel. A lot of traffic coming in and out in, in Ocean Avenue. In fact, if you go in the summertime, you want to take Carpenter Avenue and come in the the truck route and avoid the long lines you can have on highway one to get into Carmel and kind of come in the back way. But it's fun when you stay in Carmel and like all the tourists go home at about five, six o'clock and you, you kind of have the city to yourself in the evening and in the early morning.
0: For sure. And and it's just being able to walk down to the beach and explore that and enjoy that and walk around the little downtown area. And and there's so many artists and and all these other cool little shops you can walk in and, and enjoy yourself.
1: And I remember where I was going, you're not going to swim. Oh, because, <laughs> so this is one of the things that's interesting about Monterey. Monterey is great for wildlife, like a, a you know whale watching trip or something like that. There is a deep oceanic canyon in Monterey Bay that reaches into the bay, a very small continental shelf. Basically, the canyon that goes, empties into Monterey Bay is deeper than the Grand Canyon. So Monterey Bay doesn't get warm the warmest it will get will be up in the northern ridges of monterey bay up in santa cruz in september but even then you're never going to go in the water here and say
0: hey wow the water's warm today yeah it definitely like if you're going to go swimming or surfing or snow uh like bodyboarding something like that you're going to need a wetsuit that's absolutely for
1: sure or or be a kid uh you know we <laughs> used to do body surfing without a wetsuit up in some of the beaches in Santa Cruz. That's really where you want to go. If if you're looking for that sort of activities, you get more surfing up there and the boogie boards and things like that, or body surfing at say sea cliff beach, sunset beach up in that area on the Northern part of the Bay. And, And another Beautiful beach city there. Santa Cruz also the home of Santa Cruz Beach and Boardwalk, which was built to be the West Coast answer to Coney Island. I don't know if you look at it today and you say that, but they've got a you know great wooden roller coaster and some other rides there.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, especially if you're there for like a long weekend or maybe a full week, you can explore everything in the Monterey area then and be able to spend a couple of days in Santa Cruz as well. Let's talk about some of the like the best things to do while we're there in, in Monterey. Obviously, we kind of touched on the aquarium. When I went there, it was it was amazing.
1: The aquarium is one of the best aquariums in the world, and it really is worth a visit. Not just if you have kids, but certainly if you have kids. And I say that because there are kid-friendly areas there, with you know where you can actually touch the wildlife or watch them feed the otters. Or uh, for me, my still favorite uh, exhibit at the aquarium. There are two. One is the giant kelp forest which is this great big fish tank with you know sharks and kelp and everything in it and the other one would be the jellyfish exhibit which is all in in dark and black light and these just amazingly beautiful jellyfish swimming that are just incredibly beautiful
0: yeah, that is awesome yeah when we went there I mean it, my kids were just mesmerized by seeing all the fish and they love being able to those interactive exhibits and, and everything like that that was awesome one thing we did which actually kind of helped them fall asleep because they were young enough. They needed to take naps in the afternoon is (laughs) going on that 17 mile drive. And my wife and I really enjoyed the views and they just enjoyed the rolling roadways there and being able to fall asleep. Yeah. So let's talk about some 17
1: mile drive. And then let's also talk about a free option. uh, If you don't want to do 17 mile drive. So 17 mile drive is paid. I think it's about 15, $17 somewhere in that range. Last time I did it, it's, a 17 mile long drive. Hey, why did they call it that? And especially if you're a golf fan, it's something I would recommend because that's where you're going to find the spyglass golf course, the pebble Beach golf course. You can stop there, you know, get your picture on pebble beach or at least, you know, see what it's like. You can see the lone cypress tree, which is, you know, supposed to be one of the most photographed trees in the world. It's, and it's beautiful. And it's a very, as you said, windy, hilly kind of drive. So you've got to like to drive. I drove it one of the first times when I was learning to drive stick, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's not where you want to do that. But you're driving past the the mansions of Pebble Beach and and the beautiful scenery and through the pine forest, Monterey pine and cypress trees and such pretty, pretty. If you want to do a similar thing, but don't want to pay, then basically the coast from Uh, The aquarium all along the way up until you get to Asilomar, which is a conference center, uh, you're going to go around the Point Joe, and Point Joe is the beginning of Monterey Bay, is just a a free drive. Uh, You can pull off and park. There's state beaches along the way, like Asilomar State Reserve. There are uh, tide pools that you can stop at if you want to explore the tide pools, especially up by Point Joe. And again, just a real beautiful drive that doesn't cost you any money at all. Stop at Lover's Point. You'll probably see somebody having a wedding. Uh, You can also do kayaking in Lover's Point, or there's a small beach there where if you want to brave the the cold temperatures, you can go out uh, surfing. There's some surfing at, at Lover's Point. And there's also a couple nice restaurants there. There's a restaurant right at Lover's Point.
0: Is that the one they call the Beach House?
1: Yeah. So the restaurant that's right at Lover's Point, the Beach House, I think has Decent food. I like the food there. It's not that expensive, and one of the best views of any restaurants in the area.
0: Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, it's like nothing like being able to have a great meal while enjoying a, a wonderful view. I think also like as you're driving around, uh, there's like some pretty cool lighthouses. There's like I think a Point Pinos uh, lighthouse.
1: Yes, automated lighthouse right over there by Point Joe, on right kind of in the middle of a golf course. <laughs> it's an odd thing. I wouldn't say that is the prettiest lighthouse in the central coast i'd say the some of the more interesting lighthouses you'll find in the central coast would be north of santa cruz on highway 1 between santa cruz and san francisco there's a couple of lighthouses including some that you can stay in there's uh, you can stay at not in the lighthouse itself but in in housing
0: next to it oh nice nice that's like, if you're always looking for like one of those like, like unique experiences that's something that you got to check off your bucket list
1: right well and while we're talking about drives we have to talk about Highway 1 because the drive south from uh, Monterey, uh, well, really from Carmel at this point, you pick up Highway 1 and you drive down to Big Sur, for instance, either one of the two state parks down there, either Pfeiffer Big Sur State Park, which is on the inland side where you can go hike in the redwoods and see some you know, small waterfalls and things like that. Great hike, great camping. Or you can go across the road from it, practically, on Highway 1. There's a beach, uh, Andrew Molera Beach. Um, and that's a great little hike out there to the beach there. And that's another great state park. But the drive all the way between Carmel and Big Sur is a beautiful drive. If you don't mind driving on a cliffside, some people are not comfortable with that. And if the drive south, you're on the cliffside and or the, you're out on the edge of the cliff and the drive north, you're on the inland side. So some people don't prefer to do this drive to and from Big Sur from Carmel, but prefer to do it from the south to the north all the way down in Morro Bay. But it is a good day trip from Carmel if you like a drive, if you don't get car sick. does have some wines, uh, windy roads there. And there are a couple places to stop, a couple restaurants even, and, and a few inns and things you can stay in along that way if you want to stay out on the coast.
0: Like normally when you think of going to on vacation, that's like the drive is not one of the attractions you want to do. It's like the drive is like <laughs> what you have to do. Right. And so, but this area of California, I mean, the view is the attraction.
1: It It is. I'm, it is a well-known popular drive. Occasionally, like the last couple of years when we had a lot of rain, that road will close somewhere between – carmel and morrow bay uh it, last time it closed down by san simeon which is a great place to see if you got a lot more time but that's a lot further down that's uh Hearst castle and that's where william randolph Hearst built his very expensive castle not really a castle but mansion up on the top of the hills and that's that's probably three hours south of carmel along highway one so a lot of driving to get down there So not so much a day trip. If you're going to do that trip, you're going to stay down there and do that as part of a longer trip.
0: I think that's more of like a continuation of your trip, right? Yeah, exactly. You're either going to do it on the way there or on the way back so you can hit up those because you don't want to be driving six hours in one day for sure.
1: Yeah, so you asked about highlights, and we mentioned one, which was – well, two, actually. The 17-mile drive has been there for a long time, then also the aquarium. But the other one that people should remember that's there is the Carmel Mission. So this is one of – The favorite missions by the Padres who founded the mission. So you'll find, I think, Junipero Serra is buried in the Carmel Mission Cemetery because this was one of his favorite spots. And that is part of the missions that were built by the Spanish to colonize the area. So also to bring the Catholic religion, obviously, to the local Native people as well, you know, whether they wanted it or not. A little more controversial now than it was when they did it. But uh, Carmel Mission is down by Carmel Bay and Carmel River Beach area down there in uh, south of the main drag in
0: Carmel. Well, for sure. And I, I think that's one of those things that when I'm traveling with my kids and everything, I always want to make sure I'm doing something educational for them. And being able to see, you know, that mission and and understand like the way of life way back then is it helps kind of put things in perspective for them.
1: Yeah. And while we're talking about outdoors, uh, because we were down on Highway 1, when you went down on Highway 1, one of the things that you did is you passed one of my favorite state parks in the whole state park system. And there's some great state parks in California, but Point Lobo State Natural Reserve is a beautiful spot, beautiful corner of the earth. You're going to want to get there. Early If you're there in a summer day, because parking is going to fill up and you're going to end up parking on highway one and walking in, but it's a place where you go for, for the hiking. And I say hiking really, this is strolling uh, that you don't have to be a hiker to do this, but it is a place where you explore the natural beauty of the area. Just a pretty spot. The rumors say that when Robert Louis Stevenson lived in the area, this is what they tell you with the, the Robert Louis Stevenson Adobe in Monterey, he took a map of Point Lobos and made it into Treasure Island. Now, I know there at least two other places in the world that claim to be that they are what Treasure Island was based on. So take that with a grain of salt. But that's what the locals will tell you when you're doing one of the tours of the historic part of Monterey. And one of the historic things you'll be able to see is where Robert Louis Stevenson lived while he was in town.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Well, speaking of hiking and and getting out in the outdoors, part of the experience of traveling is checking out the best food. So, uh, what are some of the best restaurants in in Monterey?
1: Well, you know, it depends what you like. First of all, there's the high end restaurants like the Sardine Factory and and some of those restaurants. Those tend to be around Cannery Row is where you're going to find a number of those. Then you got your tourist restaurants, you got your Bubba Gumps and things like that. For seafood, most people recommend either one of the restaurants on the wharf. And I'm not a seafood fan, so I won't pick one for you. But I would go to the one all the way at the end of the wharf. But the other place to think about for seafood would be the Chart House, which is in Canariro. And that has been there since I have lived here. So they've been around for a while, are still well-rated. If you're looking for a good lunch or late breakfast things, I would say First Awakenings is one of my favorites. It's in the American Tin Cannery, which is right near the Monterey Bay Aquarium. It's really just up the street from there. And you're going to have a little bit of a wait, but they have a great breakfast, brunch kind of meal. So they get really popular on a Sunday. My favorite restaurant is none of those. <laughs> my favorite restaurant is in Pacific Grove, and it's uh, Pepper's Mexicali Cafe. And it's just a really good Mexican, Mexican-influenced uh, kind of cuisine there right by the central of that inn that we like to stay in. Uh, but it's right in downtown Pacific Grove.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah. And now, obviously, back in the day, kind of just after his movie career, Clint Eastwood was actually the mayor of Carmel for a little while, right? He was. He got so fed up with the laws in Carmel. Carmel is an
1: interesting place. They have no streetlights, for instance. And one of the things they did at one point is there was a ice cream parlor in Carmel. And I think this was the creamery, which the old one I used to go to as a kid. And they kept getting a hard time because, you know, people would, maybe you might drop your ice cream. So there might be, you know, some, some problem with, oh my, our streets are dirty because there's an ice cream parlor, but it was a really good ice cream parlor. And so I think they actually forced them out of business somehow. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back for Eastwood. He ran for mayor. (laughs) And so, yeah, he was mayor of Carmel for a while and he still owns the Boar's Head, i sorry, the Hog's Breath Inn in Carmel. A number of different nice restaurants in Carmel, too, tend to be some of the higher-end restaurants. There's a good French restaurant right there by the Plaza, but I haven't been there in years, so I don't know if I can recommend it as well.
0: Well, cool. Well, Chris, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all the amazing tips for Monterey. Like I said, I, I just scratched the surface a little bit when, when we visited, and now i got to go back and explore the rest of all of this. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in Monterey, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: Well, I would go to Peppers. But if seafood is your jam, if you really would prefer seafood, then then go to the Wharf. Go to go to Wharf Two. Go to
0: Old Fisherman's Grotto, let's say. Right on. And then what would we order there?
1: Well, if you're there, you're ordering fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I, I wasn't sure if there's you know obviously and you're there's... ordering what's
1: fresh, right? Uh, okay. But Wharf Two is still a commercial fishing wharf. And so basically the boat that you take out, for instance, for a whale watching boat, some of those were deep sea fishing boats in the morning. And so you're, you're getting what's fresh.
0: Yeah. Okay. So basically whatever you go there, you're just going to get whatever the catch of the day is and, and realize it's going to be amazing. Yep. Right on. And what if we went to peppers? Like what would we get there?
1: Well, it depends. Uh, You know, I would order something, one of their many Mexican dishes or actually their, their jambalaya is really good, which is not Mexican. And then I get the Southwest uh, sausage is my favorite there.
0: Nice. Nice. Like you said that you've been going, you've lived in this area for most of your life and you've been coming to to Monterey for, for many, many years. What's one of your most memorable stories of your visits?
1: What I think of is I think of my trips over here as a kid. So I grew up in Salinas, not that far away, you know, as far as I was concerned, like mo- like 90% of boys who grew up in the U.S., I grew up in the most boring town in the country, I was convinced, and did not feel the same way about Monterey and Carmel. And one of the reasons for that is I had a third-grade teacher, Mrs. Kataji. And in Mrs. Kataji's class, she wanted to give you incentive for being a good student. And so every quarter, she would take the six best students on a – personal trip over to monterey on the weekend we would see theater at the first theater which i think is still closed down now the theater that was formed by the sailors uh, in port that i think they're going to reopen it someday but last i heard it's still closed or we'd go to the ginza for japanese food which was a novelty for me but some of my favorite memories are coming over to this area as a third grader uh, because i had gotten good grades
0: Whatever it takes. I I, Look, my kids are 8 and 12. I am not above bribing them to get good grades and to behave well and everything like that. So
1: You could bribe them with Dennis the Menace Park or with a ride on the paddle boats in that uh, estuary there
0: as well. Yeah, nice. We'll definitely have to check that out. Okay, so speaking of good memories and everything like that, where's the happiest happy hour in Monterey? I don't
1: know because I am not a big happy hour drinker, but there are a couple different bars that are popular on Cannery Row. I would say... If you want a romantic drink, so it depends, you know, a little what you're going for here. I would go out to Carmel Highlands to the Carmel Highlands Inn and do a drink with your sweetie at sunset because you're way up on the hillside here with a beautiful view of the sunset and get your drink there. Not going to be your cheapest drink you're going to find, but a pretty good experience.
0: Hey, you know, as long as my wife is happy. It's well worth it, you know? Happy wife, happy life. Absolutely. <laughs> now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. Uh, where should I go for the best pepperoni pizza in, Mo- in Monterey?
1: Well, so it's a two-part answer. One is my f- If you we want the best pizza in Monterey, I would probably go to a local place. For pepperoni, I would probably just go to Roundtable. But if you want a different pizza, in the Del Monte Shopping Center is a pizza that is a local chain. That's Pizza My Heart. And they're up from here. This is the southernmost one you'll find. They're up in our area of San Jose and such. Uh, run actually by a guy I went to high school with. But they have won awards for their pizza. They used to have the best pastrami and peppercini pizza, but they've taken that one off the menu. But they have real good pizza.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, if that if that was still on the menu, my de- my wife would definitely order that cuz she's tired of me eating pepperoni all the time. But uh <laughs> but uh yeah, she's she's a little more adventurous with her toppings than I am.
1: You don't have to be adventurous at, at uh, Pizza My Heart, but you know, they do a pizza by the slice also. So uh, you can try, you know, something from things and if you can get a slice and a Pizza My Heart t-shirt for 7 bucks, so you know, pretty good deal.
0: That hey, I'm always looking for a deal. Now, uh speaking of deals and and, uh, and and travel and everything like that, I know you've been involved in the travel world for almost two decades, and across that time, you've amassed a lot of different tips. Uh What's one of your best? One of my best travel tips in
1: general: where you go is less important than who you go with. And this is from the guy who does a different destination every week on his show. But you know, choose your travel companions and then you know, flip a coin on the destination, but you, you're the right people. You can have fun anywhere.
0: No, absolutely. And if you choose the wrong person, even if it's, a great, destination, anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's a great destination, it'll go south. In our yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, like I said, at the beginning, I've known you through TBEX and travel massive and, you know, I'm a subscriber to your show. can you tell the guys a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, I am Chris Christensen still.
1: And I do a show called The Amateur Traveler or Amateur Traveler Podcast. And it started July second of two thousand and five. So we're in our ninth suddenly a plural when I talk about the show for for unknown reasons. And so I am in my nineteenth year of the show. Uh, each Saturday at seven AM Pacific time, I come out with another episode about somewhere in the world that is worth traveling to a one month a one week itinerary for a North American traveler. And there's a blog on Amateur Traveler as well, but uh, better known for the podcast.
0: Right on. Well, if somebody has questions about your show or about uh, your blog or about Monterey, uh, what's the best way to reach you on social media? Uh, social media, I'm probably most active on on X.
1: <laughs> Can I say <laughs> well, that? Well, known as Twitter. Twitter yeah. sounds, <laughs> sounds very strange to yeah. say I'm active on Twitter. Uh, I've also got an active uh, Facebook group, facebook.com slash amateur traveler. I am chris 2 X on most social media. So Instagram or or Twitter, you can find me at Chris two X, Chris, two times, Chris, Christensen.
0: Nice. Fantastic. Well, we'll definitely include links to all those in the show notes. And Chris, it's been a wonderful having you on the show and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Well, thanks for having me. What an awesome conversation with Chris. We visited Monterey, Carmel and a few other cities a few years ago. The kids love the aquarium and Anna and I love the views from 17 mile drive. You can find all the links we talked about and our webpage guide to Christmas tips at wetravelthere.com forward slash Monterey. We want to say thank you to Acorns for being today's affiliate partner. With Acorns, you can invest spread change automatically on every purchase that you make. Plus, you can earn found money by shopping at participating retailers. This is a great way to easily build up your travel fund. For a limited time, when you sign up at wetravelthere.com forward slash Acorns, we'll both earn $5. Join us next time as we head to Chenggu Bali. to speak with my new friend, Susie Clark, the founder of the Female Leadership Collective. In this episode, Susie and I talk about taking a sunrise trek to Mount Batur, visiting the white sand island of Nusa Limbogan and spending the day at the Bali Beach Club. We hope you join us when we travel there? I love hearing your feedback about the show. Send me a tweet at wetravelthere or email me at wetravelthere.com or just contact to share your thoughts. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and tell me what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you won't miss any of our upcoming destinations.